everyone, and welcome to Wealth Chat presented by CGI. My name is Labna Bibi. I lead research for our global wealth and capital markets practice, and I am your host. For this episode, I had a chat with Marcel Schroeder. Marcel is a director for consulting services within Global Wealth, specializing in innovation and strategic thinking. We spoke about trends in the industry, digital adoption, and what it takes to become innovative, and more importantly, how do you retain that innovation? Welcome, Marcel. Uh, thank you for being here. I've uh, been looking forward to this chat all week. We have a lot of very exciting topics. Um, but before we get to all of that, why don't you take a moment to introduce yourself? All right. Well, great. Uh, Marcel Schroeder. Um, you know, myself, I, I grew up in a small town in southern Ontario on a dairy farm. And, uh, you know, after going to university, started in financial services and never stopped. I've been in financial services for 35 years and uh, I've had, uh, you know, I guess I qualify as a veteran, but I've had exposure to all all components of uh, wealth management operation and client segments, uh, been involved in asset management, pensions, brokerage, trust, insurance, you know, distribution across segments of branches and advisors and brokerage and digital channels. and. Uh, yeah, um, it's uh, it's really interesting. It's been a great career up to this point, and I'm really excited about working with CGI. Well, um, that's great. And you know, before we move on, we need to back up a minute here. Did you say you grew up on a farm? Like that sounds amazing. Well, <laughs> there's there's a lot I could go there. You know, one of the things that I would say, you know, of interest, or you know, I guess that makes me me is. Um, a big part of who I am was growing up on that dairy farm um, as a kid. Um, one of the things you learn a lot in, in doing that, but, you know, I learned a lot around hard work, um, around integrity, about honesty and teamwork, um, really um, doing that. And I watched my dad and my mom build their farming business. And, you know, in addition to just that day to day hard work, milking, feeding, harvesting, everything else, they had to be really um, strategic. And the, you know, you, you learn the value of every dollar. Um, they had to improve the herd, they had to you know, continue to upgrade the operation. And, you know, interestingly, they had to apply technology. Um, I watched it change from carrying milk and uh, pipelines to milking parlors. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, they didn't get there by themselves. Um, they had some farm business consultants that really helped and I think you know, at the end of the day, that was um, invaluable to them. And that value of advice that they received helped them succeed and uh, achieve their dreams. Yeah, no, that that sounds great. And, you know, speaking of advice, it sounds um, very similar to what you do at CGI, because a big part of your role here is to provide advice and help people succeed. So do you want to tell us a bit about your role at CGI? Absolutely. So CGI, I'm a global wealth management consultant, and you know the the beauty of what what I do and what we do is we we combine wealth technology with wealth management consulting for our clients, and the whole idea is to help them digitally transform their wealth business. Um, we really have a focus on evolving that advisor experience, and which is tied directly to that client experience. Um, you know, answering questions like you know what does an ideal financial advisor look like. You know, at the end of the day, 
um, we take you know the technology and whether you call it fintech or wealth tech but we use it and apply it and and, and we help create efficiencies for our clients we remove their pain points um, you know at the end of the day we really accelerate the transition from strategy to execution for them um, for me i think my focus I mean, we have a lot of great consultants. My focus is really around modernization, um, building advisor practices, digital adoption, and you know, uh, innovation. And so we help define strategy for wealth and asset management businesses and uh, align it to these key areas. Right. Um, that that sounds great. Now, I've heard. Something that I was very interested in when I learned a bit about you was your work at Scotiabank. Can you elaborate a bit on that? Because I, you know, from the sounds of it, you were a very big part of their Caribbean operations. Um, and so, you know, I imagine you got a lot of very, uh, you know, fun getaways to the Caribbean while you were working. So can you tell us a bit about that role? Sure. You know what? Looking back on my career, it it truly was a big part of um, my career and, uh, you know, those, those Caribbean getaways were always work related. They were, they were, it, the hardest part was being in such a beautiful place, but stuck working inside of a building. So they sounded good, but it was still work. Um, you know what? I spent 17 years there and it was all in international, um, where I, um, I built some startup asset management companies ground up. I helped restructure some of their underperforming businesses, changed operating models. Um, you know, at the end of the day, we I had oversight over four pension companies and 11 asset management companies that distributed it across 20 countries. So it was Caribbean, Central America, South America, and I spearheaded the Asian uh, expansion with a joint venture in uh, Beijing. So, um, you know, I had the opportunity to work with some great people and Jamaicans and Trinidad, Chile, Peru, Mexico. Um, yo aprendí a hablar en español. I learned how to speak Spanish and um, got to learn a ton about the great cultures that they have there. So, yeah, it was it was fun. It was great. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I learned a lot about wealth and asset management and learned a lot about, you know, how important it was to think strategically across borders, across time zones and uh, across languages. Okay, so strategic thinking. Um, let's dive a bit into that because I feel like it's an essential part of pretty much every firm, uh, especially given the pandemic firms have needed to go back to the drawing board um, and rethink some of their strategies and you know some of their um, so-called emergency or disaster plans or whatever it might be because they realized that while they had some of these plans in place didn't really pan out the way they expected when there was an actual emergency in the form of a pandemic um so when so in your opinion when firms are you know at the drawing boards trying to come up with their strategies like what kind of mind frame should they be in what kind of people should be in that room to ensure that you know every angle is covered and they really are getting a plan uh that's you know agile but also but you know very versatile and able to be you know adapt to different situations uh, where they can ensure that they're not really in a situation where they're caught with their pants down pretty much well you know what? There, there's so many considerations to to take into account when you're looking at uh, change. And 
I think the strategic thinking part is probably the, one of the most important ones because really what that does, it involves really looking at that big picture and, and planning ahead. When you, when you think of a strategic thinking, it's that it's intentional. It is you look at critical factors and you really are looking at them to say, what's going to influence the long term success of my business? Um, and it helps you sort of set those benchmarks and, and the goals that you need in order to be successful. Um, I, at the end of the day, I think for a strategic thinking for businesses is really using those business insights to create truly to create a competitive advantage. And that's um, ideally what every business needs to be able to do in going through a strategic thinking exercise. Uh, no, that that's great. And I completely agree with that. Um, and, you know, I feel like firms really uh, do need to take all of that into account and, you know, be very thoughtful with their strategies because, um, as we learned, you know, evolutions can happen very quickly. Um, currently, there we're in the midst of what you would call a digital, you know, evolution, um, where firms really are switching over uh, to digital solutions. But before I get to the digital part, maybe we can pause a bit on the wealth and asset management side. So when we look at um, like, what are the current trends that you're seeing in the industry? So, you know, the um, the current wealth and I guess asset management phase today, it really there's, I see it, there's a huge opportunity. Um, our current environment's really been beneficial for wealth and asset management companies. We got low interest rates. Um, we're, consumers are spending less, they're saving more. Um, and the importance of a financial plan has has increased significantly. A lot of people have been forced to really pay attention to the details um, that they often overlook. It just it's human nature. They overlook these financial goals. Um, they've been looking at their wills. They've been looking at insurance, and most importantly, they've been looking at their goals. And um, you know, pandemic the pandemic gave people time to think about their future and to understand truly what are those goals, and it goes back to the importance of a goals-based plan. Um, when you're looking for advice, you're looking, you're, you should be looking for a goals-based advice and goals-based planning. Um, I read a stat, interesting stat uh, the other day that said pre-pandemic, 60% of uh, customers indicate they were likely to receive advice or um, that, that, that they were, they would like to receive advice from a digital channel, but only 10% of them were actually receiving it. And I think post pandemic, that's probably completely flipped. Um, you know, the, uh, the there's had the, the, all of the firms have had to make a very quick pivot. Um, many of the financial advisors had to digitally transform. They had to in, implement new technology into their practice, new processes, new client experiences. And, uh, you know, often when you see that kind of change, it, there's always opportunities uh, around efficiencies in, in, in a business. Absolutely. And so, you know what, let, let's talk about digital adoption then. So in terms of um, inefficiencies, which usually exist, like what can be done to, um, by firms, you know, by the management side, by the strategic thinkers to reduce some of these inefficiencies? Well, <laughs> I think there's there's so much there, and I think this is a huge opportunity because um, digitalization really has ex accelerate the importance of that digital adoption. Um, even this year, um, 
Log as a digital platforms have uh, gone up 25% since March. And so client preferences have changed. Um, they're the ones that are used, choosing to use digital platforms. And, um, you know, even I, I read just the other day as well, uh, well, simple um, grew 300% during the pandemic. It just shows, um, you know, how many people are actually using uh, and adopting to the digital platforms. Um, our, for our industry, um, it's, you know, the challenge is it's often not optimized. And when, you, when you're making quick changes, um, we're seeing that a lot of clients aren't finishing transactions, either because the process is too cumbersome, um, it's confusing, or it's taking too long. Um, it doesn't work across channels. So if I start with my telephone banking and I go to my online banking, it's not carrying forward um, the information that I need. And um, it, it's created a whole new set of challenges for these firms. Um, they need to educate, they need to enable and reassure their clients. They need to enhance their advisor training um, with virtual and remote advice skills. Um, they need to enhance their virtual interactions. Uh, one of the biggest challenges right now is the virtual interactions are taking much longer. They're taking longer than they did when they were face to face. And so it's hard sometimes to keep the engagement of the client when you're taking longer. And so it's a new way to do business. And I think this is where we have huge opportunities. Um, firms can build their virtual advice um, competencies. They can enhance those skills. They can leverage the technology. Um, there's so many ways to um, use videos um, and you get that one-to-many capability when you're when you're using the technology versus sending out a, 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 a paper. And, you know, I think over three quarters of the clients prefer a video to a document. Um, incorporating AI and machine learning. There's the ability to um, scan earnings reports, look at portfolios, um, look at videos that you're doing to identify ways that you can improve what you're doing. And you know, at the end of the day, um, this technology for CRM to capture client content, there's so many components that can go into um, the enhancement and the adoption. And, and at the end of the day, the removal of some administrative capabilities and the ability then for advisors to actually focus on their true value, which is giving the advice. So, you know, we all like um, virtual interactions. I get it could be a generational thing in some instances, but it's just a lot easier to know that you can type a question to someone and then get um, a response. And you would usually expect that response to come much more quickly than if you got on the phone and had to wait for, for someone to pick up on the other side. Um, you know, particularly if, like, let's say you're calling Rogers, right? You call because you have uh, a bill payment issue. So you call them and then you're in a queue for an hour where if you go on rogers.com, perhaps there's, you know, um, a person online that you can, uh, that can assist you. you, you open up a chat with them and you would expect that chat to go, you know, much faster than uh, the uh, in-phone interaction. But um, to the point you made earlier, like some of these interactions are taking much longer. And so, and that I guess brings me to like, one, why do you feel that it is? And two, is there, do you think there's a training issue here? So me personally, like I've interacted uh, with a few different firms um, online via chatbots and then 
when the chatbot directs you to a person, um, you know, who's going to live chat with you to answer your questions, it seems like the person on the other end isn't fully aware on how to help you. Um, and then they have to go and consult with like three other people and you're just waiting there and it's really frustrating. And so do you have an answer? Like what is happening? Why can't the person that's supposed to help me help me? This is a big part of the change, right? And so when you thought, I mean, think of wealth management, it's a relationship building. It's all about relationship building and um, building rapport with your clients. And it was always, always a uh, face-to-face business. Um, people couldn't imagine not being face-to-face and talking about your money. And so um, what's happened is, especially with new clients, it takes, it's harder to build rapport digitally um, for a lot of reasons. And you're talking about training. Sometimes it's just the quality of the conversation or the environment that the advisor's in doesn't look professional. And so that professional image that they have in their office may not parlay to the image that they're portraying when they're doing a digital uh, interaction with their client. And so they need to make sure that they have that professional image. And then, you know, the timing is just because it it's harder to connect with someone without having that. Um, it, it's it's just different when you are face to face. You get you either feel comfortable or you feel like it's it's not right. And it's harder to get to that when you're doing it digitally. Right. That that makes sense. Um, I, I will say, you know, I'm very excited um, about all these different avenues to solve problems and uh, get connected with people. But uh, it, it seems like there's, you know, a learning curve that firms have to go through to to get it right. Um, and, you know, some of them are getting it right and some of them not quite so. But that kind of takes me to, you know, some of the fintechs. Uh, and you mentioned Wealth Simple earlier. So, like, clearly, some of these smaller firms, like Wealth Simple, are doing something right, where they're having, you know, this 300% growth. So, it, so I, I want to kind of expand that on that a bit more. In your opinion, what are you seeing with the fintechs? Like, what is happening in that space that's just allowing them to create a much better client experience and, you know, in return, have such high growth rates? Well, you know what, the uh, when I think of fintechs, I think of innovation and whether it's wealth tech, fintech, innovation is a it doesn't start, doesn't stop. It continues. It's a, a continuous process. And what you're seeing with some of these uh, fintechs is that they're able to identify some of the customer needs better than, you know, some of the incumbents. They're able to serve them in a much more efficient way. And most importantly, they're doing it um, with a lower marginal cost. And, you know, that's what's given them some of the early ability to get some, get into the market and create some market share. Um, I was lucky, I was I was an, an early adopter in the FinTech space when I worked with uh, the two founders of Lendified, which was a small business lending company. And, um, you know, where we, you know, what, what, what I got to see firsthand was how they parlayed years of banking experience to building a, a you know an online small business lending investment company um it was you know leveraging it was a combination of software ser- you know servers databases and really providing clients with services that um, were taking a fraction of the time they were taking a 30-day process and breaking bringing it down to 24 or 48 hours it was it was in in, in such a big change that you know, it, it was huge for the clients on the other end because 
you know, similar to uh, a Netflix or an Uber or an Airbnb, you know, in the fintech space, you know, those were disruptors to TVs and taxis and to hotel industry. We were seeing the same thing to the banks. And I believe, you know, what, you know, what we are seeing now and what's made them um, successful is that they were disruptors, but now they're enablers. And now they're, they've moved from changing the industry to actually enabling uh, the industry for wealth management companies and banks. Yep. I completely agree. So uh, I want to dive a bit into innovation here. So when we think about innovation, you know, with the large, larger firms, um, like, why does it seem that there's an issue with innovation? Like, they don't really come out with, you know, anything cutting edge or anything very new, um, to the point where it's very easy for someone like a world simple to just, you know, um, simplified the onboarding process and then they they're in the market you know they're in there um quite easily like what is going on with these large firms why can't they be a bit more innovative why can't they simplify things a bit more you know provide some new and exciting offerings yeah well you know what's in what's interesting is um what a lot of people consider to be really easy probably isn't as easy as it looks on, on the surface. Um, just the example you gave about digital onboarding. Um, I was in the early days of trying to get that done and it, it you know, cha- getting the regulators to change how they allow you to share information, to be able to access um, your, uh, your, your identification from external sources and bring it in to do a, you know, a know your client process and things. It was all new and different, and it took time because um, because it's a regulated industry that we work within. You need to work within what you what the regulations are, and so that's you know part of it is working with the regulators, making sure you can move that along. And you know, secondly, I I would say that you know the banks didn't have their digital labs, they didn't have um, you know some of their own technology, and they've caught up and are now. Um, doing the same things that some of the fintech companies are doing. And I think they are much more open-minded and looking at partnerships um, with fintech players. And, you know, they've incorporated some of what the fintechs have been really good at around having agile agile capabilities to move things along really quickly and to be able to spin on a dime. And I think that's the definition of innovation. Uh, you you need to be able to spin on a dime because things happen as you as you're evolving and as and you need to be able to adapt to it really quickly and incorporate it into your business model and that's where you you have that ability to create a competitive advantage right and so i guess when i think about um you know the fintechs um and their agility like what do they have that you know allows them to be so innovative um and is is that something they can maintain like going forward? Like as they get bigger and you know they accumulate more market share, um, will can they uh, retain whatever it is that allows them to be so innovative? Yeah, you know, it's a great question. I would say they're all they're entrepreneurial, and it takes a different type of person to be entrepreneurial because you truly have to be able to take some risks um, and to continue to evolve. And I think that's the importance, right? So um, 
just because they've done one thing right, other other others will catch up to you. And so if, if you um, are winning uh, in a certain area of, of the business because you've, you've, you've done the right thing, you've created a competitive advantage, you can't sit on your laurels. And that's what they don't, you know, they, they need to continue to evolve. They, they need to um, look ahead and continue to understand what else, what's next, what else do I need to do to stay ahead? Um, or they will get swallowed up or they'll get caught up. And I think that's that whole entrepreneurial spirit. And, uh, you know, it's like I said, innovation is a continuous process. You you just need to continue to evolve with it. And that's the importance. And that's that's what will continue to make them successful. Yep. No, I, I absolutely agree. And um, I've really enjoyed our chat. I think it's been a great conversation. Um, now, before we go, is there anything else that you wanted to add or is, is there a topic that you wanted to discuss that we didn't get to? Um, you know what? I, there's probably a ton of topics, but, um, you know, the one thing that I would go back to, and I, I even brought it up when I talked about you know, my parents and getting advice, it, it's, it is advice. And advice is one of those things that's um, dear to me. Uh, only because there's the dynamics around financial advice have changed and are continue to change. You know, with the introduction of robo advice and hybrid advice capabilities, even the role of the advisor truly now is to give advice, not to sell products and to to, to, to do investments. And they help people prioritize their goals and the whole um, process around having goals-based advice is so important. Um, when I look at um, people, most people don't fail because they don't have the financial skills or they don't have the mindset. Most of the times people fail is because, you know, they fail because they give up what they want most um, for what they want now. Um, but having the right advice helps a client understand why they're investing, you know, why they've set up a pack. Um, and they're more likely to stick with their plans when they understand that. And at the end of the day, that's just good planning. And, and really, to me, that's just what the value of advice truly is. And, um, you know, with the digitalization, that advice now is available through so many different mediums and available to every segment um, of society. I think it will continue to evolve and be uh, one of the most important components that we will be focused on going forward. So, thank that you. That was perfect. All right. Uh Perfect ending. Thank you, Marcel. We really appreciate you taking the time um, to come and chat with us. Thank you, Luna. I appreciate it and uh, really enjoyed the, uh, the session. Thanks. Thank you.